Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for loving each one of us more than we dare believe. And we pray as we encounter Jesus in these pages, as we meet you in flesh, you in skin, the real you in the human, Lord, that we might come to realize just how great you are and yet how unbelievable is your love for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the the Jesus that we meet uh, in Mark up to this point is actually almost quite scary. He is powerful. He is a lion. He, he uh, what has he been doing? He's been uh, calming the sea from a raging storm, so much so that, that his followers are more scared after he calms the storm than before because they've realized he's someone more powerful than the storm and he's in the boat with us. Uh, he, he has subdued a bloke who has been chained up for years, but he's able to just snap chains. He's that strong and is sort of cast that demon out. And now Jesus comes home from across the lake where he's been doing these big, scary things, this lion like Jesus, this, whoa, my goodness, who is this man, Jesus? And he meets this massive crowd, big crowd. In the middle of the commotion, there's one man who forces his way to the front. Now, everyone wants a piece of Jesus. He is big, big news. And this man gets the elbows out and he manages to get Jesus' attention and he falls down at Jesus' feet. Now, this man's name is Jairus. Uh, he's a synagogue leader. Uh, he's an important guy. And this important man, he forces himself right up the front into the limelight and he asks Jesus, please stop what you're doing. You need to change your plans. Forget everyone else who's come to see you. Please come with me. Now, you can imagine everyone else raising an eyebrow, this kind of audacity. I mean, everyone there wants Jesus' attention. That's why they're here. But he says, it's my daughter. She doesn't have long left. So Jesus goes. He stops where he was going. He stops what he had been doing and goes to Jairus' house instead. This sort of guy who's an unstoppable force of nature changes course. Now, if Jesus is going to give Jairus all his attention, the crowds are determined not to miss out on any of this. So they are following along for the show, crowding in on Jesus. And Jesus is walking along kind of like a, like a celebrity being mobbed on his way, fighting off the paparazzi. You, you know the scenes? You know, someone's on the news and they're coming out of the court date and sort of they're just shoved and jostled around and, and you know, fighting off microphones just to get to the car, which I always find really weird. I mean, this is the important person. And yet they're the one who, who's finding it really hard to get where they're going. But, but they're just getting shoved around. Now, Jesus is in the middle of that kind of scene, right? That kind of jostle. And something happens to him that makes Jesus stop in his tracks. Who touched my shirt? Which is ridiculous. Is that not ridiculous? You know, his disciples waste no time in laying on the sarcasm. Uh, Jesus, do you see the crowds following you? You're in a mosh pit. What are you talking about? Who touched my shirt? But what the disciples don't know is that someone has touched his shirt differently to everyone else jostling him. And there was something to that touch that makes it very different because of, it does something for that person that all of the, the shoulder barges and, and the sort of pushings in on the, the sort of stomping on the back of Jesus' sandals does not do. See, there's this woman. Now, this woman's been, she's been sick for 12 years. That's a long time. And it's been a particular type of illness. See, it's it's a women's health problem. She's been bleeding chronically for 12 years. Now, I have a friend who's going through something that sounds a little bit like this. And if it's anything like her experience, this has been very painful. I suspect some of you here might even know what this kind of thing is like. 
Uh, but even for my friend suffering, it's hard for me as an outsider. I, I don't know what it's like for her. But Mark's chosen some very careful words here to give us an insight. I want you to notice it there. If you've got your Bible, have it open. This is, this is, this is a really good text to have open and see the real Jesus interacting with people. Uh, did you notice what Jesus said, or what Mark, sorry, said? She's suffering under. So he didn't say, oh, she's suffering with the sickness, suffering with the symptoms. Now, see, it says here, she's suffering under the doctors. Plural. <laughs> For 12 years, she's been going to doctor after doctor, making appointments, taking first century medicine, maybe facing first century physical interventions, and nothing has helped. Everything that they have done to her has made her life worse. And now she's got nothing left. Not just no money, she's got nothing left. Now, if you've ever done this dance with your health, maybe you'll get something of this feel her pain. But the thing is, somehow she's heard about this Jesus guy. And despite that, you see, despite every false dawn, can you imagine her cynicism toward healers? Despite every false diagnosis, every false cure, she finds it in herself to be able to trust Jesus. But not the same way as the synagogue leader did, though. You see, she's not trying to get Jesus to stop what he's doing, change the course of the whole events and come to her. She's not trying to get his attention at all. If I just touch his shirt. So she starts to make her way through the crowd. Like, like, like a really short fan, desperate to get up the front row, but just not to draw attention along the way. Ducking and pushing. Which is a risk, remember? Because she's been bleeding. You see, according to Jewish law, she's unclean. And anyone that she would come into contact with would become unclean. And what if some of the people she's pushing past recognize her? Ooh. But if I just touch his shirt. Now, finally, she gets there. She reaches out and she touches his shirt. And immediately... Power travels from Jesus, not to Jairus' daughter, but to her. And her bleeding stops. But only two people knew it. See, for everyone else, the bustle of getting to Jairus' place continues. But for Jesus and this woman, it's like time stops. Who touched my shirt? <laughs> what do you mean, who touched me? Everyone touched you. But she knows it. She can feel it in her body, and he knows it. He can feel it in his body. Who touched me? You can imagine his disciples, like, Jesus, there's a girl who needs help. We're on our way to something big. What are, you, what are you doing? But Jesus will not let this go. See, Jesus doesn't just want this woman to be healed. You see, the thing is, right, uh, she obviously wants to remain anonymous. You know, she wants to get her medicine and go. I don't know if sometimes you go to the pharmacist and there's certain things you want to buy there and you just want to get it and go. You don't want anyone to see you. Oh, that's, that's, what, that's what she's got, what she came for. But Jesus wants to give her more than what she came for. This is beautiful. See, what's she going to do? He's called her out. Now she's got this awful choice. She could wait and stay hidden and slip away later. He didn't actually out her. He asked. So she, or the other option she goes, she can reveal herself and own up. Now, what would you do? Why don't you think about it, right? This is you now. Be that person. What would you do? You got what you came for. 
You tried not to get in the way. You didn't want to cause any problems. You didn't want to stop Jesus getting to other people. Well, trembling and fearful, she decides, no, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to trust that this guy is not going to humiliate me, not going to cast me out. And she falls at his feet and tells him the whole truth. It was me. I've been bleeding for 12 years and I touched you. And in her vulnerability, what does Jesus do? What could he have said? Unclean sneak. Doesn't even say, hey, woman. He says, my daughter. Daughter. Doesn't even seem like she had a father to fight for her like Jairus was doing for his little girl, but Jesus calls her daughter. You see, it's, it's his relationship with her that saved her. It wasn't that touching the shirt was magical. Otherwise, everyone else would have, you know, had magical experiences when they touched Jesus' shirt and Jesus would have had power going out of him left, right, and center. Like, you know, like static electricity, you know, when you get too close to kids being on the trampoline and it's as if all of a sudden you're getting zapped all the time. No, see, this was the only touch that saw power leave him. And Jesus wants her to know your faith has saved you. That's what it was. It's your choice to trust me that's made the difference, my daughter. Despite so many people letting you down, you made yourself vulnerable to me and that has saved you. Go in peace and be healed. So, so very beautiful. But that's only one little bit of the story. Let's keep going. Now, it's at this moment, Jesus is still speaking. And someone comes from Jairus' house and says, with the absolute sensitivity of, oh, so I can't say an engineer because there's some lovely engineers here, but they don't know the sensitivity of a blunt person and says, your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. What are you still bothering Jesus for? Now, my goodness, why would you tell anyone about their daughter's death like that? As if the social awkwardness with Jesus was the thing that mattered. Maybe the rest of the household disapproved of Jairus' going to Jesus in the first place instead of staying with his daughter in her final moments. Don't know why. But anyway, in the, any case, Jesus steps in. And having just healed a woman and saying to that woman, hey, it's your trusting that made you well, he then says to Jairus, just trust. Your trusting has made you well. No, no, just trust. Don't be scared. Now, the crowd's still trying to follow Jesus to see what's going to happen. Jesus soon puts a stop to that. In fact, he doesn't allow anyone to come with him from here on in, save for his three closest disciples. And when he goes into the house, the place is in an uproar. Sound of crying and wailing fills the place, which is, which is something that you had to do in, in that culture. Now, 10 years ago, there was a, a tragic boating accident in Brisbane. Uh, in it, a Chinese Christian man and his son were killed. Now, I had connections with the family, so I went to the funeral to support them. Um, and uh, I didn't know this at the time, but apparently there's some cultural things about this part of China where he was from. And that man's sister raised the biggest commotion that I have ever heard. She threw herself at the ground. She threw herself on the coffin as it was being carried out. Uh, it was almost disturbing to me at the time, the, the violence with which she wailed. It was only later on that I was told this was how you demonstrated love in that culture. It was just expected. It, it was the way you demonstrated that the public face, if I don't do this and publicly show how much I love this person, obviously I really mustn't have loved them. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but I did. Now, it's similar in first century Jewish culture. See, the appropriate level of expenditure for a man mourning his wife, even if 
that family was very poor was actually at least two flute players. So we got one here tonight. That's good. Um, and one professional mourner. Is there any professional mourners in the house? Uh, so even if you were poor, that was how much you had to spend for it to be a, an appropriate show of mourning for someone passing. See, not so much necessarily about feeling emotion. It was about ensuring that the public face was expressed. So these people are sad, but maybe they're not necessarily as distraught internally as the externals made it seem. So Jesus says, why weep and why wail? The child's not dead, she's asleep. Now, this is not a household that has any faith in Jesus. Jesus literally ends up throwing everyone else out of the house except for mom and dad because they're laughing at him. No one else is going to get to see this. So they go into where the girl is and he, he, he takes her hand and he says, up you get. We get it in the original Aramaic that Jesus would have spoken it in, just for that personal sense of it. And just like with a woman's touch of the shirt, immediately the girl gets up and just starts walking around. Now, I, I don't know, the walking around bit seemed really strange to me. It's like the first thing that, you know, when you get raised from the dead, you might do. I mean, like I'd have expected, I don't know, hugs and crying with mum and dad or something, but she's just strolling around. And, and we're told the reason why next, because, because she was 12 years old. Why is she walking around? Well, because she's 12 years old. It's just what 12-year-olds do. Like, it's just what 12-year-old kids did back then. I mean, it, today, if that happened, we'd say, and immediately she uh, rose from the dead and got on her phone, you know, checked her Instagram, right? Because it's what 12-year-olds do. You see the point? Everything's just normal. This goes back to normal. All of a sudden, having been dead a second ago, she's a regular girl again, just scrolling Facebook. And as if to underline that this girl is just a normal, regular 12-year-old girl, Jesus is like, oh, yeah, she needs some brekkie. Come on, hook her up. You see, the crowd was big in verse 21. Oh, great, literally. Jairus' pleas to Jesus were great in verse 23. The woman's suffering was great under a great number of doctors in verse 26. And the wailing was great when Jesus entered the house in verse 38. But here, when the girl starts walking around again, Jairus, who came to Jesus expecting him to do a miracle, he was beyond amazed that he actually ended up doing it. The Greek word here literally means to be beside yourself. That's where we get the English phrase of, oh, he's beside himself from. In fact, literally, being beside themselves, they were mega beside themselves would be the most literal way to translate that. But Mark's using every sort of Hebrew and, and Greek phrase and mixing them all together that he can to make you realize how crazy this is. Why? Because she really was actually dead. It was obvious to everyone. Now, to Jesus, death is but a sleep that he can reach down into and rouse someone from it, but not to anyone else. Death was very real, and these people knew what dead was, and she was. But so was just how normal she was when she got up. Now, what's the message from God here? What, what, is, what, do, we, how do, what do we do with this incredible story of Jesus? It's not a story at all. That's what Jesus, when God entered the world, what he did. Well, you see, some of you here, some of us here, will not be Christians. Room this size, it's pretty normal. Some people here don't know Jesus yet. You might not have put the choice, made the choice to put all of your eggs in the Jesus basket yet. Maybe even if you go to church regularly, that might be your case. Maybe you're here to support, you know, your spouse or something like that. There's plenty of reasons why you'd come to church. Maybe you stop in a church because it feels good to have some kind of spiritual connection. Maybe you haven't yet gone to Jesus, though, to ask him to save you from everything. Because it could be that you've come this afternoon thinking that Jesus might help you out of your debt. Maybe you actually are like this woman. You'd like 
him to heal a sickness of yours or a family member's sickness. Maybe you'd like Jesus or the people at this church to help your marriage, to make you a better person, uh, maybe to take your guilt away because you, you've, you've got this addiction and you feel guilty, so you go to church to deal with that. Now, look, if that happens to be you, it's so good that you're here because God's saying something to you this afternoon. He's saying you're like the woman who touched Jesus' shirt. You would love Jesus to help you, but you, you don't want to bother him too much. You don't want to make a fuss about it. You don't even really necessarily want to be seen. You're just here to touch his shirt and then sneak away from Jesus for the rest of the week. Makes sense. It's a smart move. But now you're here. Jesus is saying, who touched me? He's inviting you to come to him. He's inviting you to come and tell him the whole truth. Not just about the one little thing that you've got that hurts, but about everything about you, about who you are. Because Jesus wants to give you more than you came for as well. Actually, that's true for all of us. He wants to heal your soul. He wants to save your whole life. So there's so much more to Jesus than the reason you came today. So much more for him, so much more for you to be saved from than simply the reason that you metaphorically came to touch his shirt. Now, some of you have been following Jesus here for uh, maybe all your life, maybe since you were Josie's age at 12 days old. Uh, but you might think you're a nobody. Uh, maybe you think that your, ha- your, your habit is to try not to be a factor. Do you shrink back a little bit, try not to bother anyone too much? Don't be too much trouble. You know, you're at church, but definitely don't want to be trouble. And you certainly wouldn't want to trouble Jesus or get in his way or annoy him. Well, if that's you, I want you to notice something. See, Jesus is in an emergency situation. He is going to save a dying person. Time is of the absolute essence. If he was a paramedic, the sirens would be on. And yet he stops. Why? See, Mark does this thing. Mark does this funny thing, right? In, in, in the book of Mark, he, he, all, he quite regularly gets one story, starts it, and then stops to tell another one, and then finishes off the story afterwards. They call them sandwiches, Mark and sandwiches. He does it at least six times in this book. And the idea is he really wants you to think about these two stories together. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons that I think if you were reading very carefully, you might have realized, hold on, these stories are connected. I'll just throw a few of them at you, right? Both women, obviously. They're both healed by Jesus. They're both unclean. One because of her bleed, the other because, well, the reason why bleeding was unclean was because it was related with death. The other woman was the dead thing. Uh, the, the moment that the woman who got sick with the bleeding got sick was actually, if you think about it, was the moment that the other daughter was born 12 years before. Just as Jairus hears about his daughter dying, Jesus calls a woman who's been sick for those 12 years, daughter. Both Jairus and the woman fall at Jesus' feet and the woman is healed because of her trust and in the next moment Jesus says to Jairus, just trust me. But there's one thing that's the opposite. Do you notice that? The woman in the crowd was unknown. Jesus called her to become known. Now, the, 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 her problem, her actions were all private. Jesus made them public. Now, the, the dead girl was known to be dead. This had been broadcast to the whole crowd. But Jesus arranged all the details so that that information would become unknown. Her death was a public event, and Jesus ensured it would become only private knowledge. Why? Why? Because when he pronounced that woman healed, 
the woman with the bleed, saved, that she could go in peace. She was vindicated publicly. So he didn't just heal her pain, he healed her shame, restored her. Her, her chances of engaging in community life, which had been dead for 12 years, were given back to her then. And as for the little girl, can you imagine being the freak who had come back from the dead, who had been the dead thing that Jewish people know you're never allowed to touch in that superstitious culture? And in his generosity, in his kindness of thought, Jesus ensured that no one thought of her as anything other than a normal 12-year-old girl who's just checking her phone, you know? The opposite action to each woman, yet with the same result. Lovingly, Jesus restored not only their life, but their social life. Their chance at having meaningful human relationships was restored because he cared about them more than the thing that they came there for. See, you're not a nobody to Jesus, no matter what you think or feel. See, God has noticed you here this afternoon. He knows you're here. He cares about you. You matter. If you spend your life as a Christian pretending that you don't matter, that might today might be a good day to repent. Not in the sense of you've done something horribly wrong, but in the sense that that's a mind, part of your mind you need to change. To turn away from that thought and the behaviors it allows you to get away with. See, you're not nobody. It can be hard to trust Jesus. It can be hard to, to trust that if you go to Jesus, he'll take you seriously, that he won't just put you to shame, that he will treat you as if you matter, that he'll treat you as if you're a somebody to him. Because if you're completely convinced you're not really worth anyone bothering about, well, you'll try and avoid that. That's not what Jesus does with us. The one who God has told us about in the Bible, the true Jesus, He's not like that. That's your fears talking, not him. And so Jesus says to you, don't fear. Just trust. Come to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our, our reading from Psalm 105, for the privilege now of getting to speak about your wondrous deeds, your great acts. Thank you for this one. But Father, thank you that all it does is, is, is to demonstrate your heart towards us. That it is not just those two wonderful women that you loved and cared about, but it is us. That you want to save us from much more than what we come to you with. Thank you, Lord, for calling that woman out. Thank you for her courage, imaginable courage in trusting you. Father, we pray that this afternoon, that we would change our minds about you that we would know deeply that you love us way more than what we think you do, that, it's great, that your love for us is greater than we would dare believe. Thank you for this word. In Jesus' name, amen.